Welcome to It's Eleven, It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy, the Leicester City podcast by Leicester City fans for Leicester City fans. We're joined tonight by all of the guys except for Aidan in Northern Ireland. And we're joined by Matthew Mann, the author of uh, the, the best-selling Leicester City books from Barry Pierpoint and others. And you've got a lot more work coming your way, haven't you? How are you, Matthew? Yeah, good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, we'll come to you and find out what you're up to in a minute. But we'll just say hello to the to the rest of the tribe. Barry, just had a bit of a chat before recording. Not feeling the greatest tonight, be fair to say. <laughs> yeah, I've had better day, better days and nights. Um, yeah. I'm about three or four pounds lighter, but other than that, I'm good, mate. <laughs> if anyone's got a fruit and pastel, Barry will have that tonight. So, <laughs> Steve, how are you up there in uh, in Aberdeenshire? I'm fine. I thought you should have had a lot more empathy with Barry, having been through a shared experience that we all had. But there you go. Yeah, I'm good. It's been nice and sunny up here in Aberdeen in the 20s and uh, very busy at work. But otherwise, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. It's, th- it's that day of the year again, is it? 20s in Aberdeen. Yeah. Yeah, that's about the only time, isn't it? We're getting more now because of global warming, you know. What we need is carbon-free football games to change the world. Oh, we'll have a chat about that in a bit. <laughs> I'm still disgusted, but yeah, we'll come to that. Uh, there'll be one of these times we do one of these shows, and I won't introduce you in Aberdeenshire. I'm looking forward to you, you know, hopefully coming back down the road towards Leicestershire at some point and, and living the dream. Let's hope so, yeah. Tom, how's things? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Too hot, you know, too everything. Yeah, me and Tom went to the Dominican Republic a few years ago and spent two weeks t- saying it was too hot. I would um, say we lost a few pints as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure we started this show in the right vein of uh, form tonight, but Aaron, how's things down the southwest? You're even hotter down there. This is weather watch tonight. Yeah, yeah, we hit 30 today at one point. Sight in the garden. I'm off this week. Sight in the garden, sunning it up. Lovely. It's not, it's not a competition. But you win if it was. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Win. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, well, we've got a bit to discuss. Obviously, it's been an international break, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it always seems long, especially this first one of the season when you just get in the Premier League back. But before we start talking, Leicester, Matthew, what have you been up to at the moment? Uh, I believe you've got some work still with with uh, Barry Pierpoint at the minute, and also ex Leicester player Gary Mills. Yeah, so I've been busy working on a, on a couple of Leicester books, actually. There's a book called Young Millsy, uh, which is the autobiography of Gary Mills uh, that we're publishing. That comes out this Thursday. Um, and to celebrate that book, um, Barry and Gary are doing a tour around Leicestershire uh, called Gaz and Baz Off the Cuff. Um, and they are reliving all the glory days of, uh, of Leicester City in the 90s. Well, I say they were the glory days, but obviously they've been surpassed haven't they by the recent uh the recent history they were the first lot of, of glory days weren't they? steve you used to have a bit of competition with gary mills didn't you competition i don't know um uh my my good lady was a bit smitten with gary mills i have to say yeah so uh she was his favorite footballer and i don't think it was anything to do with his football in prowess actually He's joining us next week on the show as well, so we're looking forward to, to speaking to him. But a bit of background ar- around him. Am I right in saying he was the youngest player ever to start a European Cup final, win a European Cup final? Was that, that the right sort of stat to, to start with? Yeah, he was actually both. Um, he made his um, first team debut of Nottingham Forest, age 16, uh, in the first division against Arsenal. So a little bit of a baptism of fire because Arsenal used to be good in those days. <laughs> yeah, get that in nice and early. Good work. 
Um, he then went on to play in the uh, European Cup final in 1979 when he was uh, just 17. And then he started in the one in 1980, 18. So I think he's still he's still the youngest player to start in a European Cup final. Um, but his, his record of uh, being the youngest to win it has now, has now gone. I bet he's got some great stories about playing under Brian Clough as well in those days. So I know we don't often like to talk about Nottingham Forest, but this, that's probably the area that if you're going to talk about them, you, you want to hear some stories from. Yeah, I mean, um, th- there are so many funny stories. I mean, Brian Clough is just such a character. And even though, um, you know, obviously not a Forest fan, um, I, I don't think you can not, not like Brian Clough um, and not be interested by some of his stories and, and the way that he is. And, uh, you know, Gary's got a lot of stories about breaking through, but also joining Leicester. And one of the things that I found quite interesting is that he says that he made played the best football of his career whilst at Leicester, not at Nottingham Forest. That is interesting, isn't it? I remember him. So Gary Mills really, for me, was in that team where I, I first started watching. I think he'd take quite a few penalties for us back in, in those days from right back, wasn't he? Yes. Am I right in saying that? Steve, um, just while we're t- touching on Brian Clough, what, what was your memories of him? Because obviously you went through the pain of seeing Forrest being good as well as Arsenal being good. Um, but but what was it like to see Brian Clough at Nottingham Forest? Well, it was the pain in the arse, wasn't he, at Derby and Nottingham Forest, because they, they won stuff with him. Actually, I do remember being kind of proud that, that Forrest as an English club had won Europe until I'd bump into the occasional Forrest-supporting Leicester person in the pubs and they'd be rubbing our noses in it. And then, then yeah, there was a bit of dis- distaste about it all. But back in those days, there was a good proportion of people in Leicester that were Forest fans and Derby fans rather than Leicester fans, particularly where you and Tom came from in the north of yeah. the county, um, because we weren't that good. And uh, so, yeah, he's an interesting character. I, I, I'd always, you know, wonder how good he would have been as an England manager. He was never going to get that because of the politics and the way that he treated uh, the hierarchy and the FA. But I think he would have done a good job for us as England manager, actually. The best England, the best manager England never had. I think that was the the tagline, wasn't it? So how how was uh, how's sales going for you, for your tour so far? Are you looking forward to sort of selling out venues across Leicestershire with uh, Baz and Gaz? Not our Baz, obviously. <laughs> yeah, they're going really well um, so far. The first event starts on the first of October, which is at Blues Bar and Grill opposite the King Power Stadium. Um, I'll do a little plug, but tickets for the events uh, and for the book are available at uh, morganlawrence.co.uk. Um, but no, it's, it's going really well and it should be it should be a really interesting evening. And I believe tickets are £29.50 and you get a free book in with that. You get a free book, you get your uh, ticket to, to the event and you also get a one-course meal thrown in. As well. I mean, oh. this is quite a big deal for me, but what sort of food are we talking well, it varies from venue to venue. So if you decided you wanted to go to every event, then you could sample lots of different uh, fine uh, cuisine. Uh, yes. Burger and chips at the, the uh, Blues Bar and Grill. Tom, you after a Baz and Gaz season ticket to go and sample the best of uh, Leicestershire's? I'm, I am quite interested, actually. 
Blue, Blues Bar and Grill. We've had a we've had a hot cheeky sausage outside there before, haven't we? <laughs> we don't need to hear about that. Yeah, they don't, they don't do them anymore. <laughs> I obviously, I obviously mean a, a hot dog. Listen, there. We're, we're going to move away from that site, but we'll come back and talk about it later. I want to start the, the show really tonight talking about Adamola Luckman. I know last time we had a show, we were talking about the possibilities on deadline day. Barry, we we keep getting to the stage on these shows where we're quite accurate with predictions on transfers, aren't we? Uh, Adamola Luckman has come in. Uh, good signing for Leicester City. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, he's he's direct and uh, very attacking, good finisher. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that. I think I think it's uh, it's what you're missing. Um, like, granted, it'll probably be down the, the right way, uh, but we'll see. We'll see if that's where he'll go. I don't want to uh, undermine your opinion, but just for anyone that is listening, just over Barry's right hand shoulder, we can all see a telly tubby. Just it's like he's yeah, oh two telly three telly tubbies. <laughs> the set. Yeah. Signing for Villa. Signing for Villa next week. Oh, happy birthday! Happy birthday to the wee man. Um, Great. Did you do much yesterday for his birthday? We had we yeah we had a wee party um, with loads of kids and whatnot. It was yeah it was mayhem. It was good fun. Yeah, get a cheeky Villa shirt for him. No, I chose not to this time. Um, I actually I actually probably for uh, the best. I got got the third (laughs) kit today and uh, for my nephew. And a wee, a wee bit tight, so I've got a bloody return it, stupid Kappa. Oh, Kappa, I'm glad you said that then. I, d- I wonder where that sentence was going. Back to Adam Ola Luckman, Tom. I know you said about it, it bursting onto the scene sort of a few years ago. He's, he's been around a couple of clubs now, hasn't he? He's a player that goes out on loan. This is a huge chance for him at a club like Leicester with the facilities we've got. He's only 23. Uh, we yeah. don't want another Cengiz under situation, do we, where someone's coming in to be a squad filler? Well, this is it. I think... We've we've been leaving that right wing very late in a lot of in a lot of transfer windows, um, or even not going for anyone, and and kind of assuming that we'll get by with what we've got. But um, yeah, it's, it's a good opportunity for him. I think any young player now coming into our club can see the vision and what we've achieved. And um, obviously, yeah, Seagrave training ground looks amazing, doesn't it? Who who won't want to have a run around there? Yeah, for a period of time at least before they, they potentially <laughs> potentially look to move on. And uh, we'll talk about Yuri Tillemans in a bit, but uh, I know Fabrizio Romano has been talking about this probably being his last season at Leicester, but like I say, we'll, we'll come back on to that. Steve, there's been a bit of an unhealthy obsession with that Penenka penalty that he took um, for Fulham against West Ham last season. Did you see that where he just chipped it into Fabianski's arms? Yeah, it wasn't a great uh, move, was it? What was it? The... Right towards the end of the game as well, wasn't it? It was quite a vital miss for them. Um, yeah, I'd, but we all make mistakes, don't we? He's a young kid. It, it was a while ago now. Well, it wasn't that long ago, but a season ago. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. I'm not 100% convinced, but he's the kind of player that we need to break down stubborn defences if he can get some consistency which we've never had with the likes of Damari Gray or Under or anyone since Morris, have we? No. And uh, in terms of when we last signed a winger, I think the last permanent one we signed was Rashid Gazelle, wasn't it? And that didn't work out too great. So, it really didn't. No. <laughs> no. M- m- maybe a try before you buy is, is the right way, but it potentially wasn't the right player with Under. Although he's had a great start. At, is it Marseille? Is that now? I'm not sure if it's Marseille. It is. It's... Um... It's definitely one of the French teams, isn't it? But yeah, he seems to be doing all right, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he's had a good start there. It was just one of those things, I, I think. Uh, Aaron, we were talking to Dominic Wells a, a couple of weeks ago, weren't we, around, um, you know, what it's like to have a player in the side that can take people on. And it just changed that shape quite quickly. And with, with Harvey Barnes aside, Leicester don't really have that. Do you think Ademola Lookman might be a player that makes quite a bit of difference for us? Um, I, I'm not convinced. I've just kind of looked into his, his numbers a little bit today. Um, so he averages a goal every six and 6.2 games in the league, which is less than Barnes uh, and Perez. Um, and he averages uh, an assist every 10 games, which is less than Barnes and Albrighton in the Premier League. So he's, third, nice. he, he's third on both. So I'm not, not sure kind of if he's in the starting lineup, is he going to be all that for you? Well, that's dampened that down a little bit, isn't it? Stats can only tell so much of the story there, can't they? I saw a stat the other day. It was Robert Huth versus Virgil van Dijk when van Dijk had his real impenetrable season. Uh, and Robert Huth's stats in every area were, were miles better. Apart from free kicks. Yeah, apart from free <laughs> kicks. That was, a, that was a, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that free <laughs> in, the, in the memory. Uh, what, what do you think then, Matthew? Because, again, Leicester fans, they, I think we really had our eye on this big breakthrough sign. I know Leroy Sane has been mentioned over the past week or two. Uh, are you happy that we've brought Luckman in? I think, I think the problem was that we didn't have a lot of money to spend by all accounts. So to bring somebody in on loan... Um, like Luckman, it meant that we could bring that winger in without having to to sacrifice anybody else. Um, so I think it's a good piece of business um, from that point of view, especially because this is the first transfer window that I can remember for a few years now where we haven't lost a big name. So I think that's good. I think him being a young player and being um, English is exactly the kind of player that, that Brendan Rodgers seems to, to relish. Um, he's, he's got a history of turning young players into even better players. Um, so I think he'll be good. I think he he's gives us something different. He gives us pace. He gives us a bit of skill. Um, he can finish. Um, I, I do have to say that I, I do feel sorry for Mark Albrighton because for about the last six years, he, I don't really know what else he can do to hold down that, that position. Um, I mean, he should be playing regular first-team football in the Premier League, and I do feel for him... Um, but whether he's good enough for us to start for us week in, week out, I'm not sure. It seems to be the situation every season, doesn't it? That we start the season thinking that we've replaced Albrighton and stepped up that uh, that side of the field and, and then we always rely on him. Scored the winner last time out. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a bit of a shame for him, isn't it? Just one further thing on that as well, and Tom. We were just talking, I was talking to someone earlier on, we were talking about the African Nations Cup and Lookman right. has just changed his allegiance to Nigeria, which means in January we're potentially going to be without Ianacho and Didi, Lookman, uh, Amati, and there was another player as well. And I can't remember who the other player was. There was five anyway players. Uh, Who's the other, does anyone know who the other one is? Is it Dakar? No, Zambia didn't qualify, um. uh, which was the only good thing about that. Uh, I... Mendy was the other, which is probably you know, not here, here nor there, but that's a lot of players to be without for a month, isn't it? Just a bit, yeah. Yeah, you, I suppose <laughs> we've been a bit thin on the ground for players anyway, so hopefully we're not going to have any uh, long-term injuries kick off again. Don't that say that. To, that's, that's, that's the worst <laughs> That seems worst to be around thing. the time where things go so kind of tits up, but 
Yeah. <laughs> It'd be, be a really good time to come back and uh, discuss that first game of the season as well, Matthew. You haven't been for a couple of years. Did you get to the to the Wolves game on the first game? Yeah, uh, um, it was an interesting game because it was a good it was a good win, um, but it certainly wasn't a, a secure win, and there was quite a bit of tension from certainly from me for the last thirty minutes. Um, and I don't think we have started that convincingly, but two wins out of three. Um, and you know, there's that saying that sign of a good team is to not play well and still pick up the points. So and I think there's still a lot more to come from the club. It was an emotional day for you to go back down there after so long because it it just felt like going home, didn't it? Yeah, it was um it was strange actually. And I think because there were no checks on the door, there was no social distancing, no mass, it just felt you know, like, like we hadn't been away. It was exactly the same as before. The atmosphere was good. Um, it was strange to see a couple of a uh, couple of the players that were probably playing in front of big big crowds for the first time for a while. Yeah. Well, some at all, really, apart from uh, Wembley. You know, Luke Thomas, he's mm. sort of started his career off and never really played in front of a crowd, has he? It's uh, a strange situation. Tom, we've not really spoke about the uh, the real highlight of that game so far, which was when the ball fell into the concourse when we were queuing for a pie, uh, <laughs> and arguably the the oh. best the best touch <laughs> the best touch that happened down at the King Power Stadium since uh, since Mares was down there. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> so so just to give a bit of context, to that we were we were <laughs> queuing in what was just an incredibly painfully slow queue, uh, as we, and obviously they were doing the kick-ins and whatever, and the ball had come straight down the concourse, nearly hit us on the head, and I was doing keepy uppies to keep the crowd entertained. Is that fair to say, Tom? You, I think you were you were drawing a crowd, to be honest. I was, yeah. yeah and then stupid like to do with three keepy uppies, isn't it? To draw a crowd. <laughs> The worst thing was, I didn't think about this till after, I miscontrolled the ball eventually and some fella nicked it. <laughs> he put, oh, it did, yeah, his, took it yeah. put it inside his coat and I'm thinking, they're 100 quid each, I should have had that one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a little bit more about my character, I think. Uh, but the international breaks, uh, it's, it's really frustrating, Aaron, isn't it? At the beginning of a season, you know, you've waited all summer for the football, the proper football to come back. Uh, it comes back and then it's away for two weeks. How have you coped with it? It's tough as well. This is a three-game international break, isn't it? It's not even just like a quick bitch bash boss game's done I think add the transfer window into that where some clubs have obviously got got some players in I'll see a certain Ronaldo joining back into the Premier League regardless of who support all that excitement comes with these new players and then oh yeah bang like everyone goes off for international football and you've got to go back to watching a game every three days when in reality in the Premier League's on it's almost a game every night isn't there do you think that the um, FIFA should look at maybe scrapping this first international window, be, uh, this first international break, because it just takes away that momentum that's gained. It's probably worked quite well for Leicester this time around. I don't think so. They're talking about putting in the World Cup every two years, aren't they? So there's going to be even more kind of pressure to get fixtures in if they're doing qualifiers every two years for the World Cup. And you're going to find it tough to scrap international games. Harry, how do you feel about not qualifying for the World Cup every two years? Uh, just the exact same as I do every <laughs> No, seriously, how's the international break been for you? Uh, I think Scotland, uh, they lose the first game and won the second. Well, yeah, te- two terrible, terrible football games. Yeah, it's, I actually switched them both off. Serious? Yeah, it's just really hard to watch. But we were kind of injury-stricken, so it was kind of just dribs and drabs of awful, awful. But Lyndon Dykes, he's our international striker and he's awful. Don't tell Peter Blexley that because he's a QPR man, isn't he? And uh, a friend of the show. 
I'm pretty sure he'll agree. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. We've started quite well, QPR, actually. But I did miss I missed the football this weekend. It's been a long time. Yeah. And like you say, there's so much change that's happened in those last few weeks. Um, something I just want to touch on with you guys is Fabrizio Romano, very well-respected journalist, certainly in terms of transfers, put a video on earlier about the, the scramble that we're likely to see for Yuri Tillemans this summer that's coming. Steve, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think we'll be able to keep hold of him? And second question around that, do you think he'll sign a new contract first? Uh, no, sadly. Um, I mean, if it's Arsenal or Tottenham or Everton or whatever, yeah, we'd keep hold of him. But if it's Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, I think it's going to be harder to keep hold of him. I think we'd do really well to keep hold of him. I'd never say never, but I would expect him to go. <clears throat> and that's a very good question. What does he owe Leicester City? If he thinks he owes us something, he should sign a new contract because uh, we'll get more money for him. But he'll also know that signing a new contract might make it even more difficult for him to leave um, because we'll demand more money for him. So... I don't know where he'll stand on that. Um, I hope he'll sign a new contract because it would be in our best interest. But it'd be interesting to see. He hasn't done so far. I think it's one of those things that the contract was been on offer all summer and nothing's happened. I think we're all half ex- half expecting that. What price would you put on a Yuri Tillemans, Matthew? I mean, I think he's worth more to a team than Grealish. Um, I don't know what you think. Barry being a Villa fan, but I mean, if Grealish is 100 million, I think Tillemans has got to be more than that. Yuri plays in a better team, so, and that's hard for me to say, but I think Yuri plays in a better team, so he's maybe not as missed as Grealish. Grealish is pivotal to everything we did. But um, yeah, no one's paying three, no one's paying 100. Absolutely not. Even if he's in a five year contract. If he, if he, if you put that price tag on him, he'll stay. The issue is going to be that he's only got, what, just under two years left on his contract. So if he signed an extension, so if he doesn't sign an extension, the fee would be very, very low. But there could be a, a clause inserted similar to Greenish as well. We say, actually, because you've signed that, we will let you go if certain value is met. I just wonder what you thought that certain value might be. Barry, over to you. If you don't think he is the £100 million player, and there might be a lot of Leicester fans that would disagree with that, and what, what would you value him as? So, hypothetically, if it was the same as Grealish, so he just signs a five-year contract, or even, I don't know, four and a half, um, I think if you put a clause in at 75, I think that's realistic. Okay. I do. And to be fair, he's not really hit the ground running this season. None of them have so far, have they? Uh, Aaron, Manchester United, 75 million for Yuri Tillemans. Would, Would you want that as part of Manchester United? Would you say that as good value? No, I don't, I don't think he's the midfielder United would be looking at anyway. They're, they're talking about Basuma and that sort of thing for Brighton, so I don't think Tillemans would be Man United. You think about the other teams you named. Spanish teams are in a right state, aren't they? So, sure, is it just Liverpool that might be knocking around in reality for him? Well, the three names mentioned were Barca, um, Real Madrid and Manchester United. Uh, Tom, you wouldn't want to see him in another English club, would you? If he goes, then sort of fair enough, he's he's paid his penance to us, but we don't want to see him in a Man United shirt or a Liverpool shirt. You won't really, but a 
around the 80, 80 million mark, I wouldn't be surprised if he did go. Um, yeah. And I think the other guys are, are wrong in that any any uh, Premiership team would would take him for that. Yeah. Why do you think I, could I was that? expecting 75 million, actually. I, I think that's a good price for him. And Aaron makes a good point. Can Barcelona and Real Madrid afford to pay that amount for a player even in a year's time post-COVID? I'm not sure. And they were talking about him as a replacement for Pogba, Aaron, rather than uh, um, Fred. Who's the, who's the young lad that Basuma would uh, oh, take McTominay. Up? McTominay, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. So what you're saying, Steve, is they're going to come in for both Ndidi and Tillemans? Well, they, you know, they can you try. Know they can, they can try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a swap. You can take Fred. There you go. 60 million in Fred. There you go. Or 55 million in no Fred. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those that, because of the contract situation of less than two years, that's going to devalue him quite a bit in terms of the the market and that. I'm a little bit fearful of what that might bring for, for this season, but I'm sure the club have got some well-laid plans. And of yeah. course, at the moment, it's only, it's only, uh, you know, Twitter talk, transfer talk, isn't it? Yeah. Well, do we, do we just appreciate it this season, Tom, the same way we did with your lookalike, Cambiasso? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I think we've just got to utilise him really, haven't we? And um, see where we can get to in the table. Cause I think that will, encourage him to stay if if yeah. nothing else but you know the, <laughs> it's, it's hard to say what he wants from from the club I think it's probably Champions League football Matthew and I think given the injury crisis we've had and the way other clubs have strengthened is this season going to be the hardest season so far to get that I think so I mean I think we've missed two golden opportunities and um Everybody else has, has gone out and strengthened, with the exception of Liverpool, who have got a strong team anyway. Um, everybody else seems to be a lot stronger. And our, our signings, I think, you know, Dakar will eventually become a first teamer, but our signings at the minute seem to be kind of backups or squad players. We haven't really signed anybody who's going to make a massive impact, like, you know, Lukaku or Grealish or Ronaldo or somebody like that that the others have signed. Um, I think the best thing to do would be to get. Tillemans to sign the new contract, but to use Harry Kane's agent and get a little gentleman agreement in there. Yeah, I think and so. And then we get to keep him. By, uh, by Harry Kane's agent, you mean his brother, don't you? Yes. Have you seen that he just gets suited and booted every day for his one and only uh, one and only <laughs> contract, which is Harry Kane? That's uh, that's that's proper shit. How's real? I love that. Um, okay. So the big question over the international break, really, the big game that's gone on, Soccer Aid. Big Wes playing at centre back. Tom injury crisis. The way he sort of looked after uh, the uh, the strikers up there, surely could come back and do us a favour, couldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Would you want him to? <laughs> I, I'm obviously only joking, but it was nice. I know to see your him. mum misses him, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But if everyone that my mum missed played football for us, we'd still have Tim Flowers in goal. So that would be, uh, <laughs> be a bit of a blame. Uh, but it, it was nice to see. Did you, did you see him on the telly on, on Sunday night? Saturday? I didn't personally, I'm afraid. So, you know, I'm going to have to leave this to the to the other lads to comment on. Aaron, enjoy the game? Uh, the standard was, was not great, was it? I think that's the worst standard. I, I think I heard someone else say that in the last few years. But it, nostalgia was good seeing what 
Carragher and Neville at centre-back and Scholes and Rooney in the centre midfield and Sador still looks unreal. But yeah, yeah, it's all right, isn't it? It, yeah. it fills a void of no other football. Yeah, now of course Arsenal are trying to sign Lee Mack, aren't they, for, for at least 60 million, say, after his outstanding performance. No, it's a bit of light entertainment. I'll take any football that's that's around at the minute. What I won't take though, what I will not take in any circumstances is carbon neutral Premier League football matches. Steve, discuss that for me. How can billionaires that fly everywhere try and get try and get this rammed down fans fans sort of throats? It's just a gimmick, isn't it? Um you know, everyone thinks that green sells and everyone's going carbon neutral. Um, even the oil and gas companies are going carbon neutral and uh, and heading for renewables, even though they make all the money out of hydrocarbons. So, um, yeah, it's just a gimmick. It's just a gimmick. There's a lot of things. Look, I think climate change is real and and it's a real issue. And there's lots of things we can all do about that. But having a carbon neutral game is just a gimmick. Yeah, it's a, it's a very spursy thing to do as well, isn't it, for, for the Premier League? They're at, they're at home for that one, I think. Barry, are you going to give up your, your meat? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, th- absolutely I, did think, not. <laughs> I did think this was going to be a short conversation. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult... What, what are your thoughts on that, Matthew? If Leicester said, look, we want you to bike to the stadium got the family with you we're not going to serve anything that is, is going to sort of affect the the atmosphere how would you how would you react to that that'd be a bit too far to bike um where'd you live uh desford so it's not i mean it's only a 10 miles or so but be worse for steve i could say that matthew you shouldn't say that <laughs> No, I mean, can you imagine biking after a Europa League game that's gone to penalty shootout um, not getting home till three o'clock the next morning? We'll come on to the Europa League in a, a little while, but how do you feel about the Europa League? Are you going to go to those games first and foremost? Yeah, I've got uh, tickets for the first three um, for the group games. We should, well, it's, it's going to be a tough group, but I think we'll, get, we'll do enough to get through it and then, and then see what happens after that. And this is where I, I sort of question my own mentality now. We're the 14th biggest football club in the world, uh, sorry, most valuable football club in the world, according to whatever list that was. And I'm probably as excited for the Europa League as I would have been a Champions League game next week. Uh, is there any differenti- differentiation for, for that for you? Um, I think, to be honest, growing up, to, to be in the top flight was a massive dream. And when we achieved it, we had a couple of European games UEFA Cup I think it's Red Star Belgrade and Atletico Madrid and and that was you know amazing then to get into the Champions League was fantastic for me Europa League isn't I guess it is it's kind of second place or a consolation but you know we're playing teams like Napoli um you know we played teams like um you know Club Bruges um you know we're playing some big teams in uh in these Europa League games in these European games and for me it's just European football it's something that you know six years ago I never have thought we'd, we'd be having this conversation yeah you can understand that Barry can you or do you think given Leicester's position that they've sort of fell away from that race is it is it a bit of a smaller ment- mentality no I like the Europa I think it's I always like the UEFA Cup as well I think it's it's European football it's yeah. a chance to it's a chance to win a European title and Leicester have a chance and, and you've got an ace group as well like I'd be buzz- I'm, I'm buzzing I'm, I'm not a fan buzzing to watch the games yeah the the fans of the other clubs are buzzing. They're a bit a bit tasty, aren't they, Tom? That video I sent you where the Spartak Moscow where fans were all knocking each other out. All playing Whack Attack, weren't they? Yeah. 
<laughs> going to need a bit of backup for that. Uh, Aaron, this is pretty much the same conversation if I was to say to you now, look, 10 years time, Bristol City will have won the Premier League. They would have uh, been in the top six of the Premier League for the last few seasons and now they're in the Europa League. You'd still be happy with that. I'd sell one of my kids, I think, for that. <laughs> I'd be happy with that. Job done. Which Sorry, one? <laughs> for for anyone, that doesn't know, anyone that doesn't know Aaron, he has got eight kids. So there he has. <laughs> um, no, yeah, look, that's the dream. And I think... Well, I think I made a comment last time it was on about kind of where everything in Bristol City are trying to do now are building towards a vision of of what you guys have done with Nige and what he's doing behind the scenes as much as what he's doing on the pitch. I think Leicester have set a benchmark on how to do things properly to get successful, not just get a billionaire owner and chuck as much money. When they lose interest, they leg it and the, the club crumbles. So... Yeah, if, if Bristol City were there in 10 years, then well, I don't even know. I can't end that. How are, your kids, be good. how are your kids finding it, Matthew? They've got season tickets now, haven't you, in the uh, in the family stand? Do they think that this is normal? Yeah, that, that's the trouble. I mean, I think when I started watching, I remember we lost, I think, 5-1 to Hull. A few years later, I think we lost 7-1 to Sheffield Wednesday. I remember that, yeah. And now, for my son, he just thinks that, you know, it's FA Cup finals, Charity Shields, Premier League, Europa League football. I mean, for him, anything less than six is a complete disaster. For me, anything above sort of 17th in the top flight is a fantastic season. <laughs> this is the I was at of- that game in Hillsborough, by the way, Matthew, and Bobby Davidson scored the best goal of the night. Yeah. So, uh, out of the eight goals, we scored the best one. Just that about Bobby Davison for you was uh, I won a little prize at Radio Leicester when I was about five for guessing that he was the top scorer and whatever. So I was only about, I literally was about five uh, and won a little Halloween pack. Very disappointed. I had to make the trip to Leicester to get it and uh, got some sort of Poundland gear in there. But anyway, we digress and I, I, I will move on. Um, Aaron, you, you're going to do the last man standing for us today because I've been useless the, the last few weeks and uh, I, I want to go because I want to prove my own worth to you guys tonight. So I'm going to hand over to you. Yeah. Okay, so I've picked a theme that's kind of bringing in with the international break as well. So players given England capped whilst playing for Leicester City. So there's 21. Um, start off with Matthew. Uh, Heskey. Yeah. Uh, Barry? Oh, I was hoping you'd give me a bit of time there. Um, Chilwell. Yeah. He looked like he was uh, whispering into a Teletubby's ear to get that as well. <laughs> uh, Tom? Uh, David Nugent? Oh, no. Is he not? Is it Hello. Preston, mate? Oh, give it the rest. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Steve? Is it any era, this, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. So going uh, right back to the First World War, I think it was. Mm. Um, uh, uh, Peter Shorten. Yes. Mark? Steve Guppy. Oh, that was my next one. Yeah. Uh, back to Matthew. Vardy. Uh, yeah. Uh, Barry. Uh, Steve Claridge. Wild. Yeah, very wild. No. 
Uh, Jim McGuffey. I was devastated. Steve? Has anyone said Gary Lineker yet? No, they haven't. I'll go with him then. Mark? Uh, James Madison. Yeah. Surprised I've seen he's only got one cap. It's because he's dressing like he's, uh, I'm not going to say what he's dressing like, but yeah, he's he's given it all up for for fashion, isn't he? Uh, Back to Matthew. Uh, Gordon Banks. Yeah. Uh, Steve? Has anyone said Harvey Barnes yet? No. I'll say him then. Good shout. (laughs) Good shout. Uh, Mark? Keith Weller. Yes. Matthew. Uh, Steve Whitworth. Yeah. Steve, is it you? Is it me? (laughs) Sorry, I did say it. Oh, did you? I didn't. Yeah, I'm on that. He's cheating. He's after more time. Frankie Worthington. Yes. Uh, Mark. Ian Walker. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew. Good job, Dave. Tim Flowers. No. All right. Eve. Has anyone said Emil Heskey yet? Yes, someone said it. Yeah. I've got another one. I've got another one. I've got Alan Smith then. No. What? Alan Smith, you say, yeah, no. I'm sure he made his debut before he went to Arsenal, but there you go. So, Mark, the winner, how many are you going to give us? Uh, I believe you, Danny Drinkwater. Yeah. That was probably about it, to be fair. Let me have (laughs) one one last quick thing. How many's left, Aaron? Uh, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Serious. Alan Birchinall. No. David Nish? No. Mm. All right, go on then. It's us with it. Right. So, uh, apologise if I get to say any of these wrong. So, you've got Len Barry, Reg Osborne, Sid Bishop. They were, like, literally after their first World War. <laughs> uh, Seb Smith. Uh, I can't read my own writing. Hughie Adcock. <laughs> what? <laughs> Emmy Tight. And then the one everyone's missed. Good old Slabhead. Oh. Harry uh, Maguire. There Is that it? Slide. Yeah. We did, we did quite well then, didn't we? I'm quite yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah, it was only Harry sure. Maguire was the only really. one, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> uh, Seb Smith, you must, you must have seen him play a few times, Stevie. No. Right, just checking. <laughs> uh, listen, let's, let's talk Man City at home. Huge game coming up at the King Power on Saturday. It always sounds like a tough game, and it, and it will be. However, they've got six points. We've got six points. It could be that... For this Saturday, we've got a whole new back four available to us of Ricardo, Bertrand, Vestergaard and Evans back from injury. What sort of chance do you give us in that game, Tom? Do you want a whole new back, back line playing? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, saying, I'm saying we've got more, more um, sort of, uh, options. Well, I mean, over the last couple of seasons, we've, we've looked all right and we've, done, we've picked up some shock results, haven't we, against Man City. I just think this time round, we're, we're punching above a weight, to be honest. I think it's going to be a tough day for us. I'm glad I came to you first. 
Matthew, give us a bit more positivity than that. How's, how are we going to get on? We're going to snatch all three points. I think we've got, I think we've got a chance. Like you say, we've man. Been against Man City um, in the past. I know, um, I know they're a good team. I know they've scored five goals in the last two games, but we are, you know, Vardy always plays well. He always seems to score against the big teams. Um, Madison always seems to step up his game when we play the bigger teams. Um, you know, we've we've beaten them last season. We beat them this season. Um, there's no reason why we can't do it again. Let's hope so, Steve. We we have seen some good games. Yeah, you know, I think I think the Ricardo strike and uh, and where Vardy got his hat trick. Out of those four players that I mentioned, Johnny Evans, Vestergaard, Bertrand, and, and Ricardo, I know he played the last game, but went off injured. If you had all of those available, what would your back four be or five be against Man City? Um. It would be at the moment Ricardo and Bertrand at fullback, and it would be Evans and Sionchu in the centre. You'd leave Sionchu in there. He's not had a good start, has he? No, but he always plays a lot better when Johnny's there talking him through the games. Okay, it's an interesting one. I think there's uh, Vestergaard's fit as well. Obviously, we spent a bit of money on him. Barry, you're the right man to come to about this, and I'm sorry that I'm going to ask you. Uh, Man City have strengthened in one key area this summer, Jack Grealish. They don't really have a striker as such. They keep playing without a striker rather than put Jesus in. Um, where, where, how can we manage the game against Jack Grealish and Manchester City? I think it's yeah, time for your, your two uh, holding midfielders to kind of show up. I think, indeed, and Yuri, this will be the game. I think this will be the game for them. They'll get, get the game by the scuff of the neck. I just, I don't think you can. I don't think you can contain them. I think they just come from all angles. And from what we've seen the last, the last couple of games, they've looked a little bit one-dimensional and, and not really willing to change if it's not going their way. And if, if, less, if Man City get an early goal, I fear for you. Every bit. We did beat them four games ago, Aaron, in the uh, Community Shield. Slightly different Manchester City team that day. They have got an Achilles heel at the back still, though, haven't they? They've got that error in them. I know Diaz is there and he's made them a, a bit more solid, but they're not infallible, are they? No, I just, I just wonder, like when I was looking, <clears throat> sorry, earlier, just everything was pointing towards obviously a Man City win. I think I write down the last three Premier League meetings between you two, the away teams won. Um, but it's as if, like you said, that international breaks come at the right time. You might have some more players back fit. You wonder if Brendan will make, think about a formation switch up. I don't know, I just, I got a little inkling for you that you're going to be able to stop them. And I know that, They've scored five in their last two games. It was against Norwich and Arsenal. Norwich are the better out of the two of those teams. So, like... <laughs> Love it. It's true, though, yeah, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're not amazing opposition, and it flatters them a little bit, I think. Steve, I'm going to ask you around key men for Man City, and the person that I want to talk about, really, is Riyad Mahrez. So, you know, you have supported Leicester for, for a number of years. Is he the most skillful player you've ever seen in the, the Royal Blue? Um, yes, I didn't think there'd be many better than Keith Weller. Um, that's probably the most skillful in the early days that I saw. And I love watching Weller and Worthington together, Worthington together. And that, that era under Bloomfield was great for watching football. But yeah, I think Riyad Mahrez is probably, um, the most technically gifted that's actually gone on to uh, use his skills in a positive way, if you like. We've had, I mean, Damari Gray was was very gifted, but you, we never saw the best of him. Um, 
Yeah, so I'd say Mares is 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 the is the player. There's different levels of gifted though, isn't there? Damari Gray and Riyad Mahrez, maybe. <laughs> He's had a good start at Everton, like. But uh, going back to, to Riyad Mahrez, Matthew, am I right in thinking he hasn't played at King Power under a, with, with any crowd there so far since he's come back or have, I, have maybe missed a game? No, I think he has. I remember him playing in one of the uh, Carling, not Carling Cup, Carabaos, yeah. Cups code, yeah, a yeah. few a couple of years ago. And he got a mixed reception. I mean, Mahrez is one of those that he is. I mean, he is absolutely class. And when he left to join Man City... I didn't think he would last very long there. I didn't think he would work hard enough for Pep's teams, but he just seems to have got better and better. Um, I mean, we were lucky to have him for the seasons that we did have him, um, and we gave him his chance. But, he, I mean, he was just such a joy to watch, and you don't get that many players these days who who are willing to take people on and run at them. And that's what I'm hoping that Luckman can do for us and be the new Mares, be somebody who can, you know, make a bit of space, make something happen, get people off the seats. That'd be a, a great book for you to write, by the way, Riyad Mahrez's story, because uh, he went for trials at St Mirren, got rejected from St Mirren, went back to Le Havre in League Two um, in, in France, uh, and then we signed him for 300,000 and sold him for 60 million after 42 goals and 150 games. So, you know, Aaron, he is a, he is a, generational talent from that sort of level isn't it how do you pick a player like that out of the French League 2 and do what with him what's happened who, who knows there's there's only a few kind of scouting networks that have that that sort of ability isn't there a lot a lot of teams try it and you sign this player you've never heard of and you never actually see them again where you you lot have done it a couple of times now so whatever you're doing is right isn't it in that Absolutely, I uh, I was reading earlier Barry uh, a uh, a remark from him that he likened the Scottish weather at St Mirren to abuse, and I felt that he had to he had to flee <laughs> flee the scene. Can you imagine if he signed for St Mirren, they could have been like champions of Europe by now? <laughs> yeah, pretty rough area of Scotland right now. Paisley's uh, not the friendliest even in a sunny day. So yeah, fair enough. I agree with him to be honest. Tom, clap or boo? What's he going to get at the weekend? What sort of reception will Maris get? Oh, I think I think it's still going to be mixed. I think a row or two behind us are going to give him a fair bit of abuse, as they feel he should get. But he was a bloody good player when he played for us, wasn't he? He just got your... the odd uh, lazy chant at him. What was your favourite Maris moment? Um, where he breaks free and jumps over, what was it, Ottomendi? Yeah, Man City. Absolute smasher in the top corner. That was cracking. And then his knee slide uh, went badly wrong. So that came <laughs> yeah. that at, at that time, myself and Aaron were working together. We just opened a, a fashion retail store in, in the Midlands. And it was a game that was on BT Sport at lunchtime. And I was watching it on my lunch break uh, in an office. And he scored that goal. And I screamed and like half the staff ran <laughs> through to find out what was going on. I think they thought there was uh, a blue murder happening in sort of was, I guess. Uh, I just want to talk to you about Pep Guardiola, Aaron. So, obviously, again, vested interest in Manchester. Pep Guardiola, Guardiola, I'll edit that, Guardiola, is he as talented as it is sort of the world makes out? He spent nearly a billion pounds at Manchester City. Surely anyone could win the league with him with a, mil- a billion pounds. Because you can see both sides of the argument there, can't you? Like it, The one you see, can he do it in Stoke if you made him the manager of Stoke, could he do it there sort of thing. But he, he does have such a clear identity of football. Wherever he's been, he's done that. I think when he took over at Barcelona, it wasn't necessarily that he 
loads of funds. I think, did he come from the B team? He cleared out some big names, uh, brought you through, implemented a style of football, a, a way of working as well. So he's clearly talented. Like, there's no doubt about that, but he has spent a lot of money. He's leaving in 2023, Matthew. Should, should we be worried? Could Brendan be the next man at Man City? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the future is for Manchester City because you know with their their owners, is it something that they're going to get a little bit bored with? You know, they've they've just enjoyed success after success with him. When he leaves, um, is it going to be a little bit like Manchester United when Ferguson left, and are the owners going to still have uh, as much? enthusiasm for the club and they're not as big a club as say a Manchester United who have got the fan base all around the world and the money so I, I don't know if I don't know if they would go for Brendan I don't know if Brendan Rodgers would go for them I still think somebody um, from you know the continent seems to be more of an attractive um, appointment than you know a British manager yeah, I'm not trying to get rid of him by any stretch because uh, we want him here for a long time to come. But you, I, for me, I feel that sort of job is his ilk next, Steve. I'm not sure what you think about that. We spoke about those top European clubs for, for Tillemans. If Brendan ever goes, surely it's got to be a, a big big club, hasn't it? Yeah, and it, Chelsea seem to have um, ruled themselves out of ever going for Brendan after comments he made when he left there. Um so that would leave Liverpool, which has already been out, so he's not going to go back there, I don't think. Um, Man so, U, can you go there after Liverpool? The Celtic reserves. Yeah, so, uh, so Man City is probably the logical choice in the Premier League, otherwise it's overseas, I think. So I hope we keep him for a, for a long time, yeah. It's exciting, isn't it, what he's building at Leicester? I just want yeah. to talk briefly about James Madison um, before the Man City game as well. Uh, and Tom, I know you're going to roll your eyes at me when I say this, but is there an element that Kina Jusby Hall should be in that team ahead of James Madison? <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, listen, listen. It's if it shuts you up, I'll take it, yeah. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to ignore you for that then. Matthew, he, has, he had rave reviews at, uh, against Norwich and he came on 10 minutes, did more than Madison did in the 80. What's he got to do to get a chance? And it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Kieran. The presents from the presents from me. So I think what he's got to do is is prove himself in a Leicester shirt because it's one thing doing it in a in a league below, but then to come into a top Premier League team, um, I don't think he can expect just to walk in. I think his time will come. He'll play in the Europa League games. He'll play in the Carabao Cup games, um, and that's his opportunity to shine. And I think if he performs, then he's got he's definitely got a chance to start. Barry, I'm going to flip that question back to you. James Madison has got to deliver something for Leicester soon. He hasn't done now for a long period of time. How how much longer has he got? Yeah, I, I don't think it's too. Has he hit his ceiling? I don't know. Like when he was when he came to Aberdeen, he was young and he was uh, he was just quality. Like obviously better in the league. Went to Norwich, did really well in the Champions Championship. Sorry, but why is he not performing in that team? I don't get it. Like everything's kind of built around him. It's, he should be the absolute star man and he's not and I don't know I don't know if it's like a, he just believes he should be a bigger club or he should be a bigger stage or, or what it is but he doesn't he doesn't deserve it he certainly hasn't earned it Can you play a player like that back into form when someone's off out of form should they just be removed from that and Kane and Jusby Hall come in to take over Yes yeah like, well, what, you can't, you can't re- reward failure especially when you've got so many midfielders that can come in and do that job. I, I, I would be all for it. I think he needs, he needs the drop-in. 
and you cannot have a freeloader against City. Is that fair, Steve? Is that fair, Steve? Uh, I think it is in one respect, but I mean, Rogers seems to want to play play his way through this, and I just wonder whether Madison came back too soon. He wasn't match fit. He had poor games. He's lost his confidence, so he's not uh, out there demanding the ball, trying stuff because he's lost his confidence. And I think um, Brendan thinks that he'll play his way through that. Um, and maybe is not the personality where dropping him will help him overcome that. Um, but I don't know the guy. That's just me surmising what might be going on, because I think he should have been dropped a long time ago. Um, it's maybe just that one moment of magic that might spur him back into the right place, because yeah. there was a point last season where he was our key man, wasn't there? He was every, Everything that was good was going through James Madison for a period of time last season. Yeah, absolutely. Um he was our guy that was making things happen, wasn't it? Him and then Barnes also came to the party and, and we lost both of them. And uh, our season started to fall apart a little bit when that happened. So, yeah, it was on great form at the start of the season. And people were saying he was right up there with Grealish. In fact, probably ahead of him in terms of England reckoning. That's mm. how well he was playing. So, um, there's no re- it, there's no reason he can't get that form back unless there's something wrong with his attitude or whatever. So um, it's just whether dropping him's the right tactic to spur him on or try and play him through it. And Aaron, you've come to us with some amazing stats, actually, tonight. some good homework been done. I think a stat for the next show is, what's the most amount of time that two players have been on the floor during a football match? And uh, we'll see if Madison and Grealish can beat that this weekend. I'll I'll, uh, get my stopwatch out ready for the matches then. (laughs) Yeah, I think... I don't know, all the stuff in the summer with Madison going to Arsenal as well, is that maybe has he turned his head a little bit and he's thinking about something else? Even if that's a, I know it sounds bad, but is that a non-footballing thing? Like, has he got his head thinking I could live in London and be around all that sort of scene? Um, I, I thought that deal to Arsenal was going to be bang on. He looks like an Arsenal player. Especially when you're looking at them at the moment, he looks like an Arsenal player. I know he's playing bad, Aaron, but there's no <laughs> need. <laughs> this is the content I'm here for, guys. <laughs> this is the Arsenal slap there. Um, yeah, I think it's a fair point. What I don't like there is you saying that London's a more attractive uh, proposition than Leicester, Leicestershire. Have you not seen our green grass? And what else have we got in Leicestershire, Tom? We've got Morrisons, haven't we? And <laughs> what else have we got? King Richard. There you go, Braggy King Richard Park. the Third. Yeah. Braggy Park. Gary Lineker, Walker's Crisps. I feel like I'm going to go on a Jeff Stelling rant now about Leicester like he did against about Middlesbrough. Uh, looking forward to the game on Saturday then, uh, Matthew. Uh, do you have a prediction for us for, for how that might end up? Uh, I'll, I'll go for 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil to Leicester. Goal scorers? Well, since we've been talking about him, I'll go for Madison. Um, and I think it'll be somebody, somebody random like Bertrand who scores the other one. I'm looking forward to seeing Ryan Bertrand. You know, his game in pre-season against Villarreal, he was outstanding. Did you go to that game? No, I didn't, didn't go to that one. But, um, I mean, I've been quite impressed with him, what I've seen so far. I think he looked very solid in the uh, Charity Shield. Um, and I think he's, he's really good cover. I mean, when, when you think about our squad, when you've got Castagna back, you've got Thomas, you've got Bertrand, um, and then you've got Justin to come back. I mean, we look pretty solid at full-back. We just need people fit, don't we? That's the that's the real crux of this issue. Uh, Aaron, how do you think Leicester will get in on get get on on Saturday? 
They're not, just got a sneaky little feeling. I think it's going to be a wild one, like three-two Leicester or something like that. Tom, if that happens, I'm going to be singing. Uh, After all, you're my Dewsbury Hall for ninety minutes. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, then. Give us your give us your dooms prediction. How many are we going to lose by? I think we're going to lose three-one. <laughs> just let that linger in the air a little bit. But Harry. on the day. I might change my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like one of Tom's crazy bets is coming on. So, uh, Barry, how how do you think Leicester will get on? Yeah, I think it'll be a 3-0 City, unfortunately. And Steve? Well, um, my head was with uh, Tom and a 3-1 defeat, but I can't do that. So I'm going to go for a 2-all draw. And I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory for, for Leicester on, on Saturday. And I, ca- I cannot wait for it. I can't wait to to, to sort of, you know, the, the banter, the the smell, the the excitement of the game and to be back down there again. And it makes a difference. I don't care what anyone says. I think the league results are already this season starting to sway back towards the home teams. And uh, I think we can have an effect on Saturday. So I think we'll, we'll be singing our hearts out down there, Tom. Too right. <laughs> and then and then we've got Napoli next week so we'll do a podcast early next week we'll look yeah. ahead to the to the Napoli game but that's a big big side to play against isn't it and there'll be a raucous atmosphere down there yeah it'll be uh it'll be weird won't it getting down there on an on an evening on a on a Thursday but yeah it's it's been a long time coming what else is there to do on a Thursday night? Eh? <laughs> uh, that's about all that we've got time for this week. Uh, before we finish there, Matthew, <clears throat> what else have you got in the pipeline? What's coming up for you? Well, after uh, Gary's book's released uh, this week, um, there's another book coming out on the 1st of October. Um, might be of interest to Barry, uh, as well as the rest of the guys. Um, you Must Be Joe Chim, My Life in Football by Julian Joe Chim, played for both teams. Um and what, what really interested me with this book is I remember him at Leicester bursting onto the scene, um, you know, outstanding for England under 18s, England under 20s. Um, you know, he, he scored our first Premier League goal, absolutely fantastic player. Then he went to Aston Villa and I kind of lost track of him and didn't really think too much of him. But he was actually, um, he actually did pretty well at Aston Villa. He was at Aston Villa yeah. during a very successful period in there. History when uh, Dwight York left to go to Manchester United, uh, Julian stepped up and he was the top scorer uh, in the prem- in the Premier League for Aston Villa that year. Um, and until Ollie Watkins last year, uh, Julian's record of Premier he was the highest English player to score in the Premier League for Aston Villa until Ollie Watkins came along last year. So he actually had a much more interesting football career than I thought. And then there's lots of fascinating stuff off the pitch as well so Julian talks about being forced to take an injection before a match um, talks about contract negotiations the big bust up with uh, John Gregory um, a big bust up with Gary McAllister as well which kind of broke my heart because as a Leicester fan Gary McAllister was my hero I was a kid um, but no really really interesting uh, story but near the time we can uh, I, I can give a few more little teaser details of that yeah, we'd, we'd love to speak to Julian, obviously. So uh, we'll leave that with you and uh, see what we could do. Uh, anything else for you guys this week? Barry, who, who have the Villa got? Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea Saturday evening. So, yeah, not good luck, good overly excited about them. Yeah, well, we've got players back. So we get to see Leon Bailey hopefully starting. I think I think we might go all out with Watkins, uh, Bailey and Ings all starting. So it, should, it, could be, it could be an all-action game. Yeah, 
It should be a good game to watch, isn't it? Uh, Tom, I'm yeah, at your really Saturday good. night. I reckon we could uh, have a beer watching that. What would you reckon? Yeah, too, right? Yeah, sounds good. Then. Yeah, it sounds good. Mouth. Stick it in the Don't diary. Support the Blues, though. Uh, obviously not. We'd never do that, would we, Tom? <laughs> uh, Aaron, Manchester United first and foremost. Cristiano Ronaldo back at Manchester United. They've got Newcastle on Saturday. That must be a, an exciting game for you to to think about. Yeah, I think, like I've said before, really, my United's team forced on by my dad, but I still have a keen interest. I think Ronaldo's just the excitement for everyone, to be honest, just getting that name in the Premier League. Um, all the figures that have come through today about the shirt sales in the first four hours and 12, 31 and a half million, I think it was, in the first 12 hours. Like, it's just ridiculous. That's all those fans that are never going to support the Glazers, though, isn't it, that are buying those shirts? Yeah. Typical Man United. Uh, Bristol City, let's talk about them. Yeah, Who have they yeah got? let's do that. We got Preston. I'm actually getting to my first home game of the season because I've worked all the other games. Um, and I'd always promised that when my girl was four, um, I'd take her to a game. So she's actually come with me to her first football game Saturday. Amazing. So she excited. For that. Yeah, I, it's the threat every night when she won't go to sleep. Fine, I'm selling your ticket then. And then she goes, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm going to take you to Bristol City then. Bristol Rovers, Mark. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. But, but on that note, uh, thanks so much for joining us. I think it's been it's been great fun and I hope everyone that's listening and we get more and more listeners every week to the show and we really appreciate the feedback and I hope it's, it's good fun to listen to as it is to make. But that's another episode of It's 11. It's heaven for Jamie Vardy. We'll join you early next week where we'll look at the Manchester City game and also look ahead to Napoli and then Brighton as well. Thanks for listening. Good night.